Welcome to another Psych Matters podcast from the Royal Australian and New Zealand College of Psychiatrists. Psych Matters is a series of discussions on training and practice issues facing trainees and fellows of the college. Planning for continuing professional development by developing a professional development plan allows for consideration of the many facets of practice of psychiatry and how each element may be enhanced through continuing professional development. Learning activities may be planned with the aim of enhancing strengths, addressing issues and to take advantage of opportunities for improvement in all aspects of practice. In this episode of Psych Matters, Dr. Andrew Amos leads a discussion on how to develop a professional development plan. I'm Andrew Amos, a Director of Training in North Queensland, and I'm joined by Wayne DeBeer and Simon Byrne to discuss the process of developing a professional development plan. Well, it's great to be talking with you both. Where are you dialing in from? Thank you, Andrew. Yes, I'm dialing in from Hamilton in New Zealand. And Simon? I'm uh, in Perth, Western Australia. And uh, what, what's your background? Mm, thanks, Andrew. So I uh, work as a director of pre-vocational training and also uh, I work in consult liaison psychiatry. Uh, my background has been um, for many years, and I, I remain on the Education Committee and chair the CPD Committee, and uh, I've served in various capacities on exam committees and was a training director as well for about 12 years. Thanks, Wayne. And, and Simon? Yeah, thanks, Andrew. I, I've um, been in, in uh, public and private practice in psychiatry for um, 30 years now. And for at least 25 years, I've been involved in one way or another in CPD, and I've been very interested in seeing how it evolves as an important and really useful activity for for psychiatrists uh, in in enhancing their their practice and their knowledge. Indeed. Look, um, reflecting on professional development plans, um, I was thinking that one of the key features of consultancy is the feeling of being a fully independent agent. And there can be some resistance to the idea that our professional development has to fit some cookie-cutter approach. So what would you think is the value of a formal professional development plan covering specific domains? So, Andrew, I, I presume that by you mentioning specific domains, you are uh, reflecting on the can meds type of frameworks where they're uh, more than medical educator but communicator leadership. Look, I think that, you know, in all fairness, these are just domains to prompt us. I think that we've moved away from a CME model where the medical expert is the, the core focus of any education to something a bit wider so that it uh, encompasses all the arms of our practice. During the day, so I think it's good, but you know, in all of that, uh, it is about self-directed learning. So it's up to the individual practitioner to decide which of the areas are important, and if the medical expert uh, competencies are the way that you prefer to go or the great has the greater need, then then go for it. Do you think that that the way that it's structured is flexible enough to cover all of the different areas of psychiatry? Yes, I, I do think it is. I think that this is just a framework that's provided. And if you look at um, the college provides a number, about three or four different frameworks or templates. When I say a template this time, um, and it, it really fits anyone's practice wherever they are. 
uh, and also various combinations of practice, whether it be medical education or quality and risk or medical administration, it certainly is able to incorporate all aspects of your your workday. How can people get access to the templates? Oh, uh, so, Andrew, on the um, website, on our CPD website, uh, under resources, um, all the templates are available. In fact, if you go into the CPD manual, um, they'll lead you to all the resources. And there are a number of resources that we also have for audit, for example. So, And these are things that we are developing progressively uh, on our website. So essentially, there's a series of Word documents, but I understand you can also, if you feel that you need to, you can set up your own approach to to uh, putting down your plans. I think you, you certainly can, but if you if you if you haven't already, uh, have a look at the one the template for um, for um, practice uh, PDP planning. Um, on the on the college website um, because I've used this for many years now and it's a really simple straightforward document um, it's got several headings but the first one of those is learning outcomes um, which is really the starting point for any CPD planning process um, and the way to think about this is what are my learning needs? What, what's happening in my practice? What's happening in my work? What's happening in my teaching? What's happening in my research? What do, what do I need to know? What do I need to develop? And, and can I translate that into some specific goal, some outcome that I'd like to meaningfully and realistically achieve during the next 12 months? And whether you use that particular template or whether you just think about that as well. Okay, this is how you make a plan. First you think about your needs and then you move on to the next step. Well, I understand that uh, it's almost an iterative quality improvement process and there are four stages set out for people to approach their professional development. Yes, sure. Um, the, so the, the four stages that we, we um, think about are variously described but um, often described as um, uh, think, plan, do, and review. Um, different different terms. People use different headings for those stages. But the four stages essentially are reflecting on what the needs are and trying to document those, then determining how you're going to go about uh, meeting those needs, then actually carrying out the activity, which will be over a period of time and over 12 months, usually within our cycle. And then um, at the end of that time, have a, have, a, have a look back and say, well, how did that work out? Did I, did I achieve my goals? And what does that mean for next time around? It seems like a, a fairly good uh, overall structure that might be used to improve professional development. Um, do you have to limit yourself purely to the development of clinical expertise? No, as mentioned earlier, because of all the various petals that uh, you look drawing on the CANMEDS petals, I think that we can uh, develop any of our professional role. I think because a lot of us are in clinical practice, it's probably one that often has the greater need and because uh, 
I think the, the good way to approach your learning plan is, as Simon has mentioned, is when you, you see problems in the clinical context and realising that you have gaps in knowledge or got gaps in, in, in understanding proper treatment or treatment options. So they do often drive my um, uh, uh, planning for, for learning. So they often seem to take more of a priority over my other professional development. Um, and I think that in many ways, a lot of the activities that we do present do favour the medical educator or medical expertise role like conferences and uh, online learning activities. So there is almost a default, but no, I think that um, we should be encouraging our members to develop other areas as well, the communicator role, um, administrator role, managerial or now leadership roles. I think that we can do all of those. I understand that there's, there's um, some supports and one of the suggested formulations is to look at to developing smart goals. So, so what are smart goals and how do you set them? Well, just like we, uh, we have a framework and uh, Simon alluded to the, an iterative framework, some people also refer to it as the PDSA. One of the other frameworks that we have is a SMART goals. And anybody that does has done coaching in sport knows, that, uh, knows the SMART goals quite well. And they are really about developing specific learning outcomes or learning goals, um, preferably ones that can be measurable that you have an endpoint uh, that you want, an outcome that you can measure. Obviously, they have to be attainable, so the A stands for attainable, um, and uh, they need to also be relevant, and I think that draws particularly strongly on adult learning model, you know, that it needs to be relevant to our work, otherwise we're really not going to achieve it, and it needs to be time-based as well. Now, some people are adding smarter goals to it, where the A is uh, accessible, uh, at the end, but uh, we're, we're not uh, assessing uh, the goals. Uh, but we might use that as a prompt to reflect on our goals overall and see how achievable they've been and how we've achieved it in the time. But that is something that we um, encourage people to undertake quite a lot. Well, well Simon, um, Wayne's just mentioned the uh, advantages of uh, reflecting on your practice. Do you, do you think that the PDP framework does facilitate that sort of reflective practice and uh, facilitate quality improvement? Yes, I, I absolutely. I think it, it, it definitely can. I, I think it's also useful in that respect to consider the the what I see as a kind of interaction between the, the goal, the learning goals and the actual activities that are going to be undertaken because um, when I'm planning my my CPD for the year, I have a look at what activities I'm going to be doing anyway. Like I'm going to be doing peer review anyway. Most of us are doing some kind of teaching or supervision somewhere along the line. We might be doing some admin, we might have a paper to write, or we might have some topic which we're already planning to research. And then I have a look and say, well, to what extent do those activities, which I'm going to do anyway, do they, to what extent do they meet the learning goals that I have for this year? So obviously one of the learning goals I may have is is to uh, enhance my um, capacity for self-reflection about my my daily clinical practice in, a, in an immediate sense. And I'm going to be doing peer review groups um, and that will go a long way towards 
meeting that need for reflective practice. Sometimes you might find you've got particular learning goals which aren't met by your existing planned activities. So you have to identify a new activity. I want to want to know more about contemporary trauma therapy. So I might have to do some self-guided learning. I might have to go to a workshop because it's not encompassed within my existing activities. And it makes me think about what I'm doing and why I'm doing it and what else I need to do. Reflective practice really should be part of what we do as psychiatrists. And uh, a large part of that in our clinical work is clinical audit. So are there any similarities, do you think, between this approach to professional development plans and activities like clinical audit? Yes, I do think. Um, I mean, I think it's the broader principles that we have to look at here, Andrew. It's about self-directed activities, activities that uh, we're interested in, uh, activities that we want to measure. Um, that is uh, in our PDP as well as in clinical audit. I think that what we're trying to encourage our fellows to do is to do the higher order thinking. So when I talk about lower order, I talk about just reading and, and trying to understand. But higher order thinking is about um, synthesizing and problem solving and thinking creatively and analyzing. And I mean, let's face it, that makes learning more interesting. It's also about, you know, applicability. And that's what we're trying to do. Audit is very applicable to our work day. And we're really looking at how we can uh, improve something at the end of the day. So I, I think that's what we're trying to achieve is move people away from just sitting, reading a journal article and calling that learning. It may have some aspects of learning, and I'm not decrying journal uh, reading or attending a lecture as non-valid. Of course they're valid, but they um, are, are better if they can be discussed uh, or if they can be applied to the work. I think that's what we're trying to move to with a reflective practitioner um, and CPD and the PDP both uh, enable us, sorry, uh, audit and the uh, PDP both enable us to incorporate those um, higher order learning skills. Uh, Simon, you, you indicated that some of your approach to PDPs comes from your practice. And one of the great things about clinical audit is that generally the ideas come from our work. So we might recognize that there's a particular problem faced by a number of our patients in a, a particular medication, for example, we might then do an audit on whether we're monitoring side effects properly. Is there a similar process where ideas for what you do in your PDP would come directly from your practice? Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I'm sure I'm not alone by any means in being aware that my practice does change from from year to year. So I've been, I've been in public and private practice and I've worked in different settings and as you move into a different setting, you have different learning needs. You do more psychotherapy or you're working in a CL service and suddenly you find you've got a lot more eating disorder patients than you used to have and things which previously you had some level of skill in, you realise you're probably a bit out of date. and so you've got to say, okay, how am I going to upskill and be able to to um, you know, meet the needs of this, this new practice demand? Or it even might be something you've been doing for a long time and you realise, well, you know, I'd like to be a bit deeper about that. I'd like to be a bit clearer about 
how I'm going about doing CBT or how I'm going to go about prescribing mood stabilizing medication. So this year, that that now's the time I'm going to going to delve into that more thoroughly. Once we generated an idea, something we might do in a professional or cover in a professional development plan, I understand that there's differences between learning outcomes and process outcomes. So I was wondering if uh, we could discuss what are learning outcomes and what qualities we need to keep in mind when writing learning outcomes for professional development plans. Bit of a difficult one, that one, uh, Andrew. I suppose that the learning outcome will be the, the concrete and the final um, desired end point of a learning activity. I suppose the process of maybe setting up the, the various steps that we get towards reaching that goal. Um, I'm not sure if I am answering your question, and uh, I may need to uh, ask you if you wanted to clarify that any further. If I could make a comment, Andrew, about that that topic, I, just talking about learning outcomes, um, sometimes it's possible to be relatively specific about a learning outcome. For instance, um, one of my uh, learning goals was to um, improve the way in which I taught formulation skills to trainees. And you can make a fairly specific outcome around that in the sense of, you know, like can I produce a, a document which provides a workable guide to formulation which I then test run with the trainees and demonstrate to myself its efficacy. It's quite specific. But the other times the, le- the learning outcome is a lot less specific. Like, for example, I think many of us um, fairly suddenly had to take up a lot of telehealth with the COVID restrictions. And so many of us had to learn a lot of things about how do you do telehealth, what are the what are the uh, useful platforms and so on. Um, there were some useful resources provided by the college early on and uh, I joined a peer review group uh, which was specifically focused on telehealth. And the learning outcome there isn't so easy to document or measurable. It's It's upskilling in telehealth and I don't think it needs to be documented in it could be but it doesn't need to be documented in very specific terms because i'm i know what i'm trying to achieve i'm trying to develop competence in telehealth and that's 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 sufficient well i mean that leads on nicely to ideas for uh implementation so what sorts of tips might you have from your own experiences with these plans well um I often use the beginning of the year that's a little quieter over the Christmas and the New Year period just to reflect on where I imagine that my learning could go. I think that it's already been mentioned that I fill in all the stuff that's going to happen anyway. So attending peer review group, my teaching plan for the year, because that usually gets produced earlier, uh, supervision, things like that can easily be incorporated quite early. And then, as um, Simon has indicated earlier, just trying to indicate, uh, trying to determine where my learning plans are that are going to help me function better in my various roles. Um, one of the things that I have become mindful of is that I need to revisit those um, the PDP regularly, probably every two or three months, 
The reality is that because I'm in the workplace and I'm encountering new clinical cases all the time, my priorities for learning are constantly changing. So my PDP is a live document. It changes all the time and I remove things and add things all the time because I want it to always remain relevant to my everyday practice. So I, in, in the beginning, I found that quite disappointing that I couldn't always achieve learning plans, but I had to prioritize them and change them and add new ones. Yeah, adding to that, to Wayne's comments, you know, I think one of the interesting things I find about actually having a documented learning plan is when I look back on it during the year, as Wayne says, or, or at the end of the year, I, I, I usually find that there's some part of it that I might have actually not completed. And then a question arises, why, well, why didn't I do that? Was it because it was no longer relevant or was it because uh, I just didn't get around to it, in which case I should reprioritize it? It's also interesting that some of the activities that, that you undertake um, when you look back on it, you realise actually that wasn't ter terribly productive, um, and that that's a useful um, reflection too. That that uh, it's not as if we're supposed to make a learning plan and then we achieve all our goals and we achieve. It's not a test that we achieve a hundred percent on. It's more like okay, um, what's useful and what's not useful? And the reflective process involved in planning helps us to be clear about that. I really do like the idea that the PDP shouldn't be additional work. We should be integrating it into what we would be doing anyway. And at a, at a broader level, I suppose, PDPs might have value in long-term career mapping. Uh, do, do either of you have anything to say about that topic? Yes, I think, Andrew, I think you're right. I think the PDP can be used to evaluate, um, to determine your learning plans for the year. But more than that, it could also look at career, uh, uh, perhaps in five years, ten years' time. And some of us would need to prepare for that. For example, if you wanted to move into a different area or take a career break or maybe move into a different area of medicine, like administrative or that, you may need to think about uh, starting some courses or university courses, develop your career as an academic, doing papers. So I do think that you're right. I think that we do have a shorter term focus and a longer term. Of course, the PDP may also uh, need to meet the needs of the employer. And so having things like your performance appraisal and any agreements as to um, outcomes from your performance appraisal could also be added to your PDP, of course. We haven't spoken a lot about the theoretical underpinnings of the professional development plan. Uh, we briefly mentioned the CANMEDS domains, which are important for a number of reasons within training in particular, and then into your work as a consultant. Are there any educational theories that, that you would like to discuss to uh, explore the, the meaning of the professional development plan and how the college sees it uh, being applied to practice? I, I think that I've mentioned already that the adult learning theory, that's uh, Malcolm Nov describes um, the theories around how and under which conditions adult learn best. And that's very relevant to our professional learning. So I think that uh, most of our work is um, is based around adult learning theory. 
And certainly a lot of that is about self-directedness, relevance, applicability. Um, the other theory that comes to mind is that we, um, and it's a growing theory, it's not one that is well uh, delineated at this stage, is about workplace learning theory. And this is about learning being situated in the workplace. And uh, it's grounded in everyday uh, practice and in professional relationships and also learning your profession um, within a team. The other theory um, I'm thinking about is the uh, reflector practitioner that Andrew's already mentioned quite a bit and uh, and also deliberate practice. So I've been uh, uh, specific about the, the learning outcomes that we want. I'm not sure if you had any uh, additional ones, Simon, that you wanted to mention. Uh, no, not really. I think, you know, it is, of course, possible to overcomplicate uh, this, but like a professional development learning plan should really be a simple and straightforward exercise. And although you know, I, I pay respect to the, the, the people who study the theoretical underpinnings, at the same time, you don't have to um, delve too far into that to be able to carry out the activity. You just have to have the basic concept of, well, I need to think about what I'm going to do and I have to do it and then I have to think about what I've done. That's the that's the bottom line. So it's the keep keep it simple, stupid uh, principle at work, uh, Simon. So much, so much, like so much of our work. <laughs> All right, look, I, I think we've covered quite a bit of ground. Are there any topics that, that either of you felt uh, we haven't covered enough or, or that you would like to discuss? No, I think we've covered it. If I can make one final comment, I, I guess it's been implicit in what we've been saying, but it's really important that your professional development learning plan be individualised. Although there are these domains and the can, meds, categories and templates and so on, it's about your learning needs. And what, no professional development plan will be like somebody else's. It'll be specific for you. It's always about your needs. It's not to meet somebody else's expectations. The college isn't going to give you a pass or fail on your plan. It's for your own purposes and do it the way that you find useful. Well, look, um, I, I think I started off this podcast asking the question about uh, cookie cutter approaches, and I think you've perfectly answered it. it. It really is incumbent upon us as adult learners, as autonomous agents, to be directing our own learning and uh, developing our capacities along the paths that uh, develop our careers, certainly as both Wayne and Simon have described. Well, that may be a good uh, time to bring this to a close. Uh, I think it's been an excellent discussion about uh, how to approach the professional development plan. And so um, that, that's it for this episode of Psych Matters. Thanks for listening. And thanks to Wayne and Simon for bringing us up to date on this topic. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Psych Matters. Feel free to share it with others and keep an eye out for future episodes. Psych Matters is produced by the Royal Australian and New Zealand College of Psychiatrists.